the disagreement is turning pretty dark. We have a divided nation. We have a very divided nation. We seem to be living in a time of utter tribalism. If it's true to you, then it's true. No, it's not. In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. Nothing is as important as the truth of God revealed in Scripture. Welcome to Disagree With Me, a podcast dedicated to considerate conversations on taboo topics. My name is Angel Rodriguez, and I'm your host. As always, joined by Mr. Caleb Powers. Yo, yo, I'm here on the ones and twos. Yes, all the way from Moscow, Idaho. It's true. Now, it's, yeah, it's been a while since we've done this podcast, so a lot has changed. Yes. And that's what Caleb's now in Moscow. Yeah. So are we going to mention the fact that we tried recording this episode already and it failed? I forgot to ask you if you wanted to do that, but I guess since you already I guess, did. I know that that was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, we did this about three, almost three a month ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. So we've, we've had some time to rethink our, what we said. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, our guests actually came back after that conversation. It's so. true. Yes. And that's that's Chris. Chris is joining us. Hello today. everybody. Chris Seco, all the way from New Hampshire. Yes. Yes. So we are we are having a conversation that's that is man, I, I was gonna make this I made this joke. It's not as good of a joke when you make it a second time, even though <laughs> but it's no one heard it. No one, no one heard, heard it the first time. time. <laughs> I was gonna say we're gonna have a conversation. A conversation that's covering the nation about <laughs> something that is covering the nation. It didn't work as well this time. I think last time I, I'm sorry, Caleb. Sorry Ew. to our listeners. I let us. I let you all down. <laughs> well, we're gonna have a a considerate conversation on a very taboo topic, um, or topics, and who knows what else is gonna happen during this podcast. But that's good. It's been a while since we've done this, so. It's it's fun. It's good to be back. We're going to talk about masks and coronavirus lockdowns and everything else that come along with it. So we're going to have some fun today. And obviously, people feel very strongly about masks and and coronavirus and lockdowns. And, and uh, we are on day 25 of Wisconsin's mask order. And uh, I... I don't like masks at all whatsoever. I've been wearing a mask for 25 days. I feel like I should be writing a, a book about my experiences. But so we, I don't like masks and this show being called Disagree With Me. Chris, you disagree with me. What are your thoughts on masks? I don't like masks either. Oh, you don't? <laughs> but like, I mean, I'm not wearing one right now. Okay. So clearly. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between not liking masks yeah, okay. and like I viewing, having political views about their use. So you don't like masks? They're uncomfortable. I mean, okay. it's kind of like how it would be great if like you didn't have to wear a shirt, but you know, some places you have to wear a shirt, you know? Hmm. <laughs> We could change that, you know. <laughs> your podcast, your rules. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just kidding. 
Oh, we just man. all take off our shirts right now. Yeah. Oh boy. If, if you're listening to this, that's uh, it, only that's the audio thing. version will be released yeah. in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I shouldn't ask if you like masks. I guess we're gonna talk about not not so much whether you like masks, but the the different government mandates that are yes. mandating mask usage and other um, regulations on how people do business and and go about their lives and so i guess we'll start with that not so much what are your thoughts if you like masks but what are your thoughts on on mask mandates yeah so um i'm here to argue the point that mask mandates are a good thing um and that shutdowns and social distancing mandates and um you know, restrictions on public gatherings are a, a good thing. Um, and I have brought as much evidence as I can to back up my arguments. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a discussion um, about uh, what you think about this. Well, actually, Chris, from our last conversation we had, I changed my mind. So so does that mean does that mean now I have to, I have to argue why mandates are horrible? I'm just kidding. What did you just say? I'm gonna we're gonna clip that. Chris. Just mandates That's are horrible, right. and that that will be the quote that I post for this episode on social media. Yes. Yep. There you go. There and you go. then you gotta use my quote from. Uh, yep. No, yep. I'm just kidding. I didn't. I was just thinking like, how funny would it be if I had changed my mind from the last time? Yeah. To this. That would be. I feel like we would have had that conversation before we started the episode. Yeah, I know. But, but I, I, I might have just kept it to myself and then remembered. Knowing you, yeah. yes, that Maybe. might have happened. No, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, so I'm on the complete opposite side of Chris. I actually, I don't think that the government, uh, not only do they not have the authority to do so, to impose these mandates, to wear masks and, and regulate how people do business, but also I, I honestly... I don't think we need these. I don't think that uh, that the coronavirus is is the threat that it was originally said to be, and so therefore I don't even I don't even know if I. I guess in specific context, maybe people should wear masks, but I guess I'll turn it back to you, Chris. Like, why why do you? I guess we got to establish, you know, the authority question. Right. What gives the government the right? Like our government. Um, I guess I asked you, what is what's happening in New Hampshire? Like, what are in terms of of mandates or regulations? Uh, let's see. In, in New Hampshire, there's no big public gatherings happening right now. Um, it is not mandated that you need to wear a mask uh, inside, like every space where you're around other people. It's up to the you know, the, the, whoever owns the space to, to make the decision. Um, and uh, I think as far as gatherings are concerned, I think they can happen if they're at like a, res, a reduced capacity. So like churches can meet, but it has to be like, you know, half the people then normally would be allowed in there or something like that. Okay. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of businesses are requiring people to wear masks in them, but it's not because of mandates from the government. Um, I feel like New Hampshire in general um, has been pretty good. You know, people have been pretty good at wearing masks, like most people do. Mm -hmm. It's not to the extent 
as you get closer to the really big cities in this region, like Boston, Providence, Rhode Island, New York City, um, you know, the closer you get to those cities, the less likely it is you're going to see someone without a mask anywhere. And the more likely certain towns and cities are, and counties are going to have various mandates. So there's definitely, you're more likely to see someone without a mask up here in New Hampshire than you would in Boston or New York City. Um, but it's still the vast majority of people are wearing masks. And so it does really kind of not super even necessary to have a mandate because one, pretty much every business requires it anyway. And then two, people are wearing them anyway. So there hasn't been really a, been a pushback here okay. against that. So that's what's going on here. Okay. All right. So, so New Hampshire doesn't have any like specific mandates to wear masks and, and stuff. And it looks like, or sounds like people are taking these matters into their own hands, which I'm okay with, honestly, but do you, yeah. would you support like a, f- cause like in Wisconsin right now we have a, an executive order from the governor that we have to wear masks up until, until uh, I think it's September 28th or something like that. So started August 1st. And then we did have a statewide order. Uh, it's been now reduced to like County orders. Counties can choose to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now the really the big thing is, is wearing the mask. But so would you support like a, a federal mask mandate and uh, in a, like that covers the whole United States? Uh, yeah, I, I think I would. And I think one of the reasons why is that um, New Hampshire specifically, it doesn't have any large cities. Like the largest city um, in New Hampshire is Manchester and that has 100,000 people in it. So it's the size of your typical suburb in, in most places. And um, so I think there's a reason why cities like Boston, like New York City have mandates. And that's because there are people that are, are a lot closer in contact with each other, um, just walking around than uh, you would in, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire, there's really no reason to be near that close to another human being unless you like really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, because even like when you go shopping, there's not a lot of people in the grocery stores when you're shopping. So people just aren't on top of each other here. So. Um, it's really easy to stay, you know, away from other people. And, and so people, people don't have to really go out of their way that much to do that, whereas they would have to go out of their way to protect themselves in, in a city. So I feel like the purpose behind having a mandate in, in a place like your state where you have, you know, a few large cities like, like Milwaukee, for example, um, and for a nationwide mandate would be to just make sure the areas are covered that have higher and more dense populations um, and to make sure that there's no ambiguity about like where that line is drawn between an area that has a dense population and an area that isn't like because mm-hmm. it could be arbitrary someone could just decide like okay like cities you know that have more than a million people you have to wear a mask inside their borders but then once you go out to a suburb you don't or something like that and then at that point it's going to get confusing Mm-hmm. So even though the reality is mandates are definitely more needed and more necessary in certain areas over other areas, just to remove the arbitrariness of trying to decide where to draw the line and to, in order to stop confusion, it, it makes sense just to mandate it everywhere until it's not, there, there's no threat anymore. Posed. Okay. So, so where would you say, where would you say our government gets the authority to to, to make this mandate 
Right. Well, so that's going to come down to like, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on where the government actually gets its authority from. And our society pretty much runs on the idea that we have a constitution and that everybody agrees that we should follow the constitution. And the people that are interpreting our constitution is ultimately at the highest level, our Supreme Court. Um, and right now, when it comes to mandates for masks, when it comes to um, suspending um, uh, gatherings of a lot of people, um, the, the Supreme Court is interpreting the Constitution in a way that is allowing the government to uh, put forth these mandates, put forth these restrictions. So, I mean, specifically, uh, it comes down to um, a court case that happened in 1905, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, uh, and that uh, ruled that the Constitution principally entrusts the safety and the health of the people uh, to the politically accountable officials of the states to guard and protect. So this was the case that was cited by um, Chief Justice John Roberts in a recent ruling uh, about um, shutting down church services in California. Uh, this is South Bay United Pentecostal Church versus uh, Governor Newsom, the mm. California government. And so um, this, this, the Supreme Court, it was not a unanimous decision. Um, it, it, there's nine justices. Uh, four of them were chosen by liberal presidents. Five were chosen by conservative presidents. But um, five justices decided over the four to... Um, interpret the constitution in a way that would give the states the power to have this particular shutdowns like this happen um and again john roberts was essentially the swing vote the chief justice mm -hmm. and he was someone that is considered a moderate to conservative leaning chief justice and that was the way he interpreted the constitution so if you want to say that we should all just be following the Constitution and we should all respect the Supreme Court as the body that is entrusted to interpret the Constitution and trust our democratic process of choosing presidents democratically and then those presidents appointing um, Supreme Court justices um, when they need to be appointed, um, then that's a good way to do that. But if you want to look for authority about how you should live your life outside the constitution that's fine but it's just it, it gets it would be very difficult to live in our society that way because then you know you're going against the grain of how everybody else has agreed to to the rules that everybody else has agreed to live upon in, in our society yeah I, I guess the only danger that i see with that is that there have been cases in the past where the supreme court has gotten it wrong right like we look you know, we had the Fugitive Slave Act that the Supreme Court ruled to be a constitution, uh, constitutional mm -hmm. that allowed for, for slavery to continue in, in, in America and for horrible things to happen, right? And so, like, I think of, like, Roe versus Wade. <laughs> Supreme Court says it's okay to kill babies. But ultimately, God, who's the ultimate authority, says you shall not murder. And like specifically talking about masks and, and government lockdowns, like God does talk about, you know, sickness in his word. We can take the principles from there. And ultimately, like 
I'm looking at the ultimate standard and, and I believe that to be the word of God. And that applies to everybody, whether we believe in it or not, because it's the same issue with, if you point to the constitution, there are people that disagree with the Supreme Court's ruling. But if we just look to, to the Supreme Court as our, as our standard, they're just human beings and they can be wrong. Like we look up even further, we look to God the God that we all know exists, like he has established truth and, and he's revealed it to us in his word. And I don't think, I mean, I honestly, I don't think God makes allows for the government to do this. Like, again, we see if people are sick, we they're quarantined. If it's like a very deadly thing. Um, but then even, I don't even think constitutionally, even though the, the, again, the Supreme court can get it wrong. And I'm not saying that I'm smarter than them, but like, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know where where that line is drawn to say like we're gonna we're gonna protect you from something, right? And, and then they pass. I think that's a, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but like it's a slippery slope to say like yeah, we we have the right to protect you, so now you have to wear this mask, especially for something like the coronavirus, because it it thankfully. You know, not, not to make light of the deaths that the people that have died from it and the people that have been affected by it, but like it wasn't or it isn't what it was predicted to be like the, the prediction. Well, like, we, we have, you know, obviously there's a lot of restrictions that are happening. You know, uh, most people around the country are wearing masks. Um, there's all these mandates in some of these states and other people are voluntarily doing it. All these social gatherings have been shut down. You don't have people going to the sports stadiums and being in the crowd and, you know, all this stuff. So th those models that projected how many people would die from the coronavirus, you know, those are based on if nobody did anything to stop it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now we're seeing about a thousand people die a day. And so you're talking about, and, and it doesn't seem to be seasonal, you know, the weather has changed. It's still the same amount of people dying. So you know, that essentially is we're at a baseline of 365,000 people dying in a year from something that we are trying extremely hard to contain. And there's so many things, you know, obviously we have completely shut down and, and, and taken our economy back many, many, many years um, to try to contain this. And so, you know, if, if we're doing this much and we're still looking at hundreds of thousands of deaths, and I think to say that millions of people would die if nothing is would, was done is completely accurate. Uh, but so, so first, I think when it first started, when when the whole coronavirus thing was like breaking news months ago, like it, it was interesting to see how how like private businesses, like you talk about New Hampshire and how private businesses mm -hmm. are making people wear masks or follow certain rules when they're inside of their businesses. So like mm -hmm. a lot of places started sending their workers home and not letting them come to come to work. Like there's sports leagues going on right now that have decided not to have fans in the stand and they're following certain protocols that they have yep. themselves like yep. set up, you know? And I'm like, why, why can't we allow people to do that, to make those choices for themselves? Like I, I, there are a bit now in Wisconsin, you have to wear a mask anywhere that you're inside. But like before that, mandate was in place there were businesses that chose like my parents are business owners and they they chose to have a, a mask mandate in their grocery store and if you were in there 
as like I disagree with it. I even talked to my mom about it, but like it's her business, it's their business. And if I wanted to go in there, I'd wear a mask. And the same thing with Menards or whatever. Even Menards is weird because I wanted to go in there with my daughter and they would not allow anyone under the age of 16. And my daughter was like nine months old at the time and they would not let me in the store with her. So like, but I, I followed that rule because this is a private business. I believe that they have the right to, to impose these, these certain regulations. If, if I want to shop there, I'm going to follow what they, what they you know, require. I just don't. And so I, it, people voluntarily have been, you know, taking the precautions that they, they deem to be necessary to protect themselves. And that's what we've been doing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, I, and so, I have something to say about yeah. that. Um, so uh, an example of something similar to this that involves forcing private businesses to follow certain practices for safety is, is fire codes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there, there are fire codes where if you're building a building and you have a business, you have to, you can't have a certain more than a certain amount of people in there at one time. You have to have a certain amount of exits to get out. If there's an emergency, those exits have to be labeled in, in a certain way, because, you know, even if you're a private business if you're doing business with the public and allowing the public to come in to do business with you you're still affecting the public you're still somewhat in the public domain so there's certain laws that do need to exist to to protect people so you don't have situations where there's something unsafe and people just don't realize that it's unsafe because there's no thing mandating that it's unsafe and then they get caught in a situation where say they're at a nightclub and there's pyrotechnics and then there's not enough exits and it catches on fire and a hundred people die. That happened. Yeah. So, so I, I agree that, okay. I, I, I believe government has been instituted by God to bring justice and, and to punish evildoers, like to actually bring true justice. And so that's why I don't think that this, like the mass mandate has nothing to do with, with justice to like, because you're forcing people and, and, and like the fire code thing, I God in his word, he tells the, the people of Israel to build walls around the roofs of their houses. But like, if someone doesn't build a roof, uh, a wall on the roof, the, the police don't, aren't told to come to their house and like, find them or whatever but if somebody dies because they fall off the roof when they were told to you know to protect life then they're they're culpable right so like i with the fire like you're talking about negligence essentially like you know you know people yeah and that makes sense but then of course it comes down to the fact of well you know is it negligence to is it negligent to not require a mask in your establishment if you're a private uh, corporation and then the thing is how do you then you know if it's a fire or if someone falls off your roof because you should have had a railing there and it's not there then mm-hmm. you know it's very easy to prove whose fault it is but when you're in a situation where it's virus and it's spreading mm-hmm. and you know we have studies showing that you know it's it's spreading even if you are asymptomatic so you don't know who's necessarily spreading it Uh, And we don't know how effective testing is. It's only somewhat effective and it's going to change over time. Someone might have it positive for a little bit, negative for a little bit longer. We don't really know when they're tested, when the results come in, it's kind of crazy. You know, it's really hard to see, well, they're contributing towards the negligence of 
of causing people to die in the entire society, but it's hard to trace it back to, well, it's because someone went in their store and someone sneezed on them. And then that's the reason why this other person got sick. So yeah. it's a lot easier to say, well, these businesses, if they don't require mask mandates, um, they're negligent and culpable for the deaths in the community yeah. as opposed towards the deaths by an individual that can be traced like so, in that situation. So would you would you support like prosecuting somebody? Like if if somebody could prove that they got the coronavirus from an individual that wasn't wearing a mask and and then let's say they died from it, do you believe that it would be that they should that individual that didn't wear a mask and that infected the other person that died, should they be prosecuted? Um so I've only taken one law class in my oh, no. entire life, but I did take one law class. And what I remember from that is that in order for negligence to be proven, uh, you have to prove that the person causing the, the death um, knows that they're doing something dangerous. So mm -hmm. for instance, you know, if someone knows that taking not wearing a mask and then, you know, being close to other people, if they know that that potentially is exposing other people to, to the illness, and then it does, and then somebody dies as a result, then I think that that would be a airtight negligence case where someone could be prosecuted for uh, manslaughter at the very least. Which, just, so, just a quick note on that, um, just because I'm finding it interesting and kind of thinking about this. I think that's one of the reasons that God did say in his word like here are things that you should do there is no like specific punishment that the civil magistrate can carry out for not like building a parapet on your roof but we have this list of things that you're supposed to do and so if you someone dies because you didn't do this thing there here's here's an example here's like a specific thing that we can look to in the law and be like yes this person should have done this they didn't and this person died because of it there's a you know a case against them and just as yeah. a like a random you know input there that i just thought of but. yeah and so like you know that's one way that it could be handled is like the government can suggest something and then say like if you don't do this and then we find you uh recoverable for something then you know in court you'll be prosecuted but again it's just a situation where you would end up then with millions of court cases one for every person who's gotten sick or died or knew someone who got sick and then it's just such a mess that it just seems a lot simpler to just straight up say, all right, it's mandated, you have to do this. If you don't do this, then there's gonna be prosecution because we just know it's going to result in problems when you look at it on a macro level. So so like, let's take this back to 2019 where the coronavirus isn't what it is now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was a flu season last year and I'm not saying that the flu is the same thing as a coronavirus. They're, they're different, mm -hmm. obviously, but mm -hmm. you know, people die from the flu every year in America and yeah. Right. And so like, but we weren't wearing masks for that. Mm -hmm. Do we, uh, shouldn't, do you think we should like, even if the coronavirus wasn't a thing, like if we could solve it tomorrow and it'd be done, do you think that just to prevent, the the deaths that could happen from other communicable diseases do you think we should just continue to wear to wear masks i think the 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 difference here between 
these situations with the flu and with the coronavirus, it has less to do with how dangerous both of the things are. And, you know, I agree as well that the coronavirus is definitely uh, at least several times, if not an order of magnitude, more dangerous than the, than the coronavirus, both in the trans or than the flu, both in the transmittability and just the, the outcomes when people get sick. But um, I think the really the difference is, is it affecting innocent people who have no way to protect themselves? Like with the flu, um, there's flu shots that people can have. If people feel like they are susceptible to getting the flu and dying as a result of it, they have the option to get inoculated against the flu. And then that is going to help their chances significantly of surviving that flu season. We don't have a vaccination right now for the coronavirus. So there's literally nothing that you can do to protect yourself other than to completely isolate yourself. You, you can't be around other people. And the only thing that is going to help your chances is if there are mandates around you know, that, how people behave in public. Um, so I think it's about protecting people who have no way to protect themselves. I think that once there is a vaccination for the coronavirus, it makes a lot of sense to then just now allow people to make the choice, do you get the vaccination or not? And if you get the vaccination, then you know, you're fine. And if you don't get the vaccination, then you're the one rolling the dice and that's on you. It's not on the public then to protect you because you made that decision. Okay. And I'm just thinking everything through. Because you said that the coronavirus is like a lot more dangerous and and i, I want to talk about that um so here's the thing is obviously there are a lot of people out there who think that um well they think several things there's there's a group of people that think that the coronavirus just doesn't exist at all that it's all completely made up there's people who think it's just like a slightly worse version of the flu you know and so there's these different ideas that people have and you know I, I go back to just like the first few days of the coronavirus hitting the United States and what was happening. And that's how I formed the hypothesis that it was more dangerous than the flu. And then I continued to test that hypothesis by looking at statistics and studies for, for many, many months. But the reason why I, I my hypothesis was pro the, the coronavirus being more dangerous and not, not against that, and I wasn't skeptical of that, um, was because people were dying in very small groups that were um, exposed to the virus. So, you know, you'd have a cruise ship with a few hundred people on it and you would have multiple people dying. Mm -hmm. And th that just could not happen statistically with the general flu. Like if there's a flu outbreak and this happens on yeah. a cruise ship, you know, the likelihood that more than one person is going to die is like astronomically low. Maybe one person will die here and there, but to have three, four, five, six people dying on one cruise ship shows you just right there. It has to be more dangerous because it's a small controlled group. Yeah. So one of the things, so like, I'm not, I'm not saying that the coronavirus isn't dangerous to specific people, specifically to like older individuals. Like you look at the statistics and it's like, yeah, if you're over the age of 60 or something like that, your chances of like the death rates go way up. But if you're under mm -hmm. that age, like, 
not to or say if that you're healthier or if you're healthier. Yeah. yeah if you're you know, healthier. Yeah. Right. The healthier, the younger you are, the less likely you're going to die. But then there, there are still people that are younger that are dying. There's people in their twenties that yep. are dying. Obviously yep. it's just very unlikely. It's more likely to get killed in many other ways when you're yes. that age than through this yes. coronavirus. But then you also have to consider the fact that the people that are surviving, they are going to have complications the rest of their lives. And we don't understand them yet. You know, mm -hmm. there's going to be scar tissue that they're going to have in their lungs. And yeah. um, we don't know, even children are showing physiological changes from having very, very minor symptoms. So we don't know what the effects are going to be on the population that's younger when they get older you might see people, for example, and again, this is just a hypothetical, but we want to be careful about this because we don't understand what's going on yet because we haven't studied it long term. But, you know, you could have someone contract the virus in their 20s, you know, get a little sick, then a few weeks later, they're better and everything's fine. But then, you know, they get to their 50s and 60s. And because they had that, now all of a sudden, they're at risk to die from something else. So their, their yeah. body's been weakened in some way, and it's going to cause them problems when they are that age. But do you think, do you think it's feasible to like completely prevent any, like, obviously right now, like I, I, I looked this up right before we started recording. So there's 5,715,567 people that have had yeah. the coronavirus. And I, there have been studies done like the antibody tests that put the, the number at 10 to 15 times higher. Mm -hmm. So that's like 57 million people that have possibly. had this thing, right? Possibly, right? That have this yeah. thing. Do you think it's possible to actually prevent the rest of the, the millions of people in, the, in this United States to that? to prevent them from getting the virus like through this? Yes, like, yes but... But the, the, the problem is that the United States is, is not a country with very uniform leadership where all, every state and every person uh, agrees with a certain direction to take things in. You know, we're a very polarized nation where you have states that are going to do wildly different things and you have group populations that are going to do wildly different things. Like, for example, people who live in, in suburbs versus people who live in high density urban areas are going to have very different ideas on how to deal with pretty much every life issue, especially politically. And so while it is technically possible to completely prevent anybody else from getting sick and anybody else from dying, I feel like the best that we can realistically hope for is to just to mitigate as much as possible and to just keep as many people from dying and getting it as possible. But mm -hmm. I don't think that the country, I don't think it's realistic to assume that a country like the United States with the way that we are polarized politically will be able to come up with a, all agree to a plan and then follow it that is actually gonna work like China and um, New Zealand, for example. Like, you know, China went and like they, they, they went full super hardcore when that virus started getting yeah. out of control in Wuhan. I mean, they had, people were not allowed to leave their, their houses. They could not go outside. Anybody outside had a hazmat suit on. They were literally spraying every public surface down with disinfectant. And that's what they did because, you know, their population is over a billion people and they have sustained such a small amount of deaths compared to the size of their population. And that's because of measures like that. And then, New Zealand being an island country, they just shut the island down. It's like no one's allowed in. And if they come in, they have to go in mandatory quarantine. And we got to watch you for two, three weeks until we know that you definitely don't have this thing. Mm -hmm. And because they did that and it was a small country 
where there's less political division, everybody just agreed, hey, we have a small island country, we only have several million people here, let's just all, you know, chill for a month, and they did, and the virus went away, and they have no new cases as a result. If any new cases come in, it's because someone's coming in and they're being quarantined, but there's no community spread there. So now, they're not having the same discussions in New Zealand that they're having in the United States, because there, there's no virus to worry about. So they can go and they can have fans in, in sports stadiums. They can have kids going to school and not have to worry about masks or quarantine people who are sick. Um, so I, ideally, that's the world that we'd want. That's the world that I would want, something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't think that's realistic for the United States. I think what's realistic here is getting as many people as possible to social distance and wear masks. So as few people as possible uh, are killed by this thing until we get to the point where there's a vaccination and then it's going to be everyone's choice whether or not they want to take the vaccination or not and the people that aren't might be the ones taking a greater risk just depending on how it goes so why why not let the people make that <clears throat> that risk assessment now like why not just let people take that make the decision like okay i understand there's not a vaccine i understand that there are risks involved when i do this when i go out in public let let the individual make because we make those choices every single day every time i walk across the street i could get hit by a car and i make yeah. the risk assessment i mean yeah. obviously there's yeah. a lesser chance of me getting run over by a truck than getting the coronavirus yeah but it's still a risk assessment it's because when you drive drunk you know it's not about protecting you it's about protecting the other drivers on the mm-hmm. road that's 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 why you know you can drink yourself into a really horrible state where you have alcohol poisoning wherever you want, just not behind the wheel. And the reason why you can't do it behind the wheel is because innocent people are affected. So the vaccination isn't to protect other people, it's to protect you. So if a bunch of people make the decision to get the vaccination, if there's somebody who decides to go out and is not vaccinated, they're not gonna hurt anybody else. They're just gonna hurt themselves. They might catch it, but they're not gonna give it to anybody else. And if they do, it's because that person also decided to not get the vaccination. Right now with masks, you don't wear a mask to protect yourself. You wear a mask to protect other people. And so that's why it's a, a different situation. So like, what if, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm speaking more in like terms of like a business. Yeah, I'll bring <clears throat> it back to the business because that's what's where it's being mandated here is like a business in, in the state of Wisconsin wants, like doesn't want to force its customers to wear. In fact, they, they don't want you to wear a mask when you come into the place because because different factors, it makes it easier to, to rob the place or whatever, or, you know, mm-hmm. shoplifting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, we don't want you to wear a mask. Or what, uh, but yeah, I know, like I know a, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Would you be okay with that? So here's the thing. I, I think that in a, in a, again, in a perfect world scenario where, um, everything else is working fine. And this is the only problem that we have in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you could make an argument that that could work because you could say like, well, everybody's going to know the businesses that require masks and the businesses that aren't. It's it's the ones that do, are you're going to be something on it that's going to say, or you can just look around and see if people are wearing masks. So the people that, you know, don't want to take the rest, they could just decide not to patronize the businesses that, you know, people aren't wearing masks and, um, and, and in that world, it, you would have a perfect isolation between a barrier between the people wearing masks and the people not because they'd be in different spaces all the time. Um, and then when somebody who had been frequenting 
those places without masks, when they go somewhere else that requires masks, they're still required to do it because it's private property. And then that protects, even if they pick up the virus at the place where they can't wear or don't want to wear a mask, yeah. um, they, it still protects the people. So that, that's the perfect world scenario where there's no other problems. That would work, I think. But th- here's the thing. There's, there's another problem that we have right now. And that is right now, I feel like in the United States, we are at a level of misinformation and disinformation publicly that is just way higher than it's ever been. And I think a lot of this has to do with technology and the way that information spreads now with social media. And a lot of false information spreads very fast, very far, and people do not trust any authority to tell them whether or not that information is correct or not. There's been a breakdown in, in the authority of, um, of, of people being arbiters of whether or not information is, is from a good source or not. And so because of that, we have a population that's very misinformed and you have a massive group of people who uh, just think that this virus doesn't exist or is some type of hoax or, or is not, you know, again, like I said, just similar to the normal flu and should be treated the same exact way. Um, and so because of that, um, we're going to, it creates a situation where it's not just people making the decision for themselves of, okay, like, I understand that there's a risk of me getting sick, but I'm still going to do it because I want to live my life. Just like people make the decision to take dangerous drugs and to drink too much alcohol. They know that it's going to, or smoke cigarettes. People know when they're smoking cigarettes that it's going to be dangerous, but they still have the right to make that decision. But the problem is with the situation with the coronavirus, it's not like everybody knows that it's dangerous. A lot of people don't believe that it's dangerous. So you can't just say, well, it's your life, you get to decide. Uh Because then what you're going to end up with is you're going to allow this misinformation to create a situation where people are going to be putting themselves in danger, believing that they're not. And that's a big difference. So who do you think that who do you think we should be listening to? Like, what would be a good source? There's no, I, I don't think right now that there is a very good answer to this problem that we're having in society. And I think the reason why is because information has been decentralized in a national way. Like obviously information was always decentralized in small communities. When you're talking about people that are in contact with each other, rumors spread in towns. There's no way to stop that. But right now you have a situation where rumors and false information can spread nationally and globally in seconds. And we are coming from a situation, a system that existed a few decades ago, where, you know, in order to reach millions of people, you had to go through newspapers, you had to go through television, there's certain, there's certain mediums you had to go through. And yes, there still could be mis- misinformation through that, but you at least had, you know, a businesses and organizations that were trying to be set up around informing people correctly, and people who were educated to have journalistic integrity. Now, there's no such thing as journalistic integrity anymore. Now you don't need to take classes on how to deduce information um, in order to say something that millions of people are going to hear and potentially believe. And I do not know necessarily how this is fixed. My If I were to put out a theory, I would say it probably is just we have to educate better. I think that schools need to have curriculums that teach everybody journalistic standards 
um, from a young age and teach people how to look at information rationally and and uh, and and be critical and skeptical of of things that are just being said on the internet, um, and then not necessarily just believe something because it's they agree with it or you know it's tickling their biases. Um, but again, that that's something that is going to take a very long time to implement, and it may not even be the answer. That's just my guess of something that would help the situation. So I think in this environment where people actually on certain issues don't really know where to even find the information to make good decisions about what is safe for them and their families, there needs to be a certain level of protection from authority over them. Um, because if that's not the case, I feel like our society is going to devolve. Like I think that there's going to be a lot of problems that we're gonna have and uh, it's going to become more dangerous and less prosperous and a worse place to live um, if uh, we allow people to just follow misinformation. I mean, uh, the, for, for example, there's misinformation out right now about um, the Hollywood actors who are abusing children. Now by organizations like QAnon that are just they're coming from 4chan, they're coming from troll farms um, and random forums that are the average person on them's like 13. And so there's stuff like that. And we don't want to get into a situation where there are, you know, mobs of people trying to go after um, people who have not even committed a crime. So it's like, again, different situation but it's the same principle of we've got to be careful right now over how we mandate things and how we carry out justice in an unstable information environment yeah. where right now we don't know what to trust because there's no trust anymore like the last thing that i will say and this is a prediction and and if i if i'm right about this um, it, it will it will it will show that I'm viewing this in a good way. And if I'm wrong, then I need to reassess. Mm -hmm. I believe that this election that happens is going to be the first election where half the population, no matter what happens, will think that the, the, the election was uh, fraudulent. Like, okay. I think both sides are being <laughs> both sides are being grim for that. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm right about this, I think this is where we're heading. I think this is where we're heading. That makes sense. I yeah, no, it makes sense. I actually wanted to say that I think everything that you just said is already happening. Oh yeah, and it has been happening. I mean, right now, yeah. an hour away from where I live, it's happening. There is mm -hmm. a mob mm -hmm. destroying, yeah, and and like you said, going after people that haven't actually committed a crime, mm -hmm. right? So like, it's it's happening already. Yeah, I guess like for bringing back to the coronavirus thing, like the, the misinformation, like you're saying, you believe it is a very great threat. I actually don't don't think it's the threat that many people believe that it is. And, and you might say I'm misinformed in what I'm, what I'm saying, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you why I, I don't think, mm -hmm. like I mentioned before, it seems to be that, you know, people that are a certain age group and above, and like something, it's like 78 years old is the average age of the person that dies from the coronavirus is from what I, what I read, right? Yeah. And like the, the lifespan in America, average lifespan is like 77 or 78 years old. 
mm-hmm. right? Which means half the people live longer than that. Yeah. So, so, but, but it's, it's, I mean, you would expect it to be, if it's this catastrophic, like bubonic plague, it's going to affect everybody. And the median age in America is not 78. Like if it was affecting the whole population equally and it was wiping us all out, it would mirror our median age. Mm-hmm. I, like mm-hmm. mentioned before, right? Like the, like the Spanish flu, for example. Yeah, the Spanish flu mm-hmm. would be an example of that. And and I don't believe this to be the Spanish flu. No, um, it's not the and, Yeah. And, and like, so mention the 5,700,000 people that confirm cases, if we multiply that by 10, which is the, you know, the estimate with the, with the studies that puts it at 57 million. I did the math and correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm not known for my math skills. Um, I do know that two plus two equals four though. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I did the math. So I I divided the deaths as of today from coronavirus. And again, I, I guess you might, somebody listening to this, I don't think that even the deaths that we're told are from coronavirus are, are necessarily people that died from it. They might've died with it. Um, But I'll just take the only thing we're we're just gonna have to wait and see um, what the total death numbers are for like the whole year when those are published. I've seen that done in small groups, like they looked at deaths in New York over like a month, and they did find that it was uh, the appropriate amount over that you would expect if these deaths are being reported as being caused by coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that's just one study out of New York. Okay. So we yeah. don't know for sure yet. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to wait, but I'm just going off the CDC numbers here. 176,617 deaths. Yeah. Th- people that died from the coronavirus, according to the CDC. Um, and again, I think that's, that's a lot of people. I'm not glossing over the fact that this many people died. I, I, as a Christian, I know that these people are made in the image of God and I don't want to see people die, but we live yeah. in a fallen world. And unfortunately this is what happens mm-hmm. and I don't want it to happen. And in fact, that's why we as Christians, we have to work to make the world a better place so that people, we don't die. Right. So, but, but I did the math and it puts it at 0.3% uh, death rate, which is a 99.7% survival rate for those, infe- for those infected. Now, if we did it for the whole 300 million people, uh, divide the deaths by, by that, it puts it at 0.05%. So that's like a 99 yes. point whatever yes. survival rate. Uh, not like a survival rate, uh, a rate of, of not dying from it. Which you're... Is it surviving? Not dying rate. from it. Yeah, not because, dying from Yeah, survival rate would yeah. be like if you, um, had, if you had it. Yeah. 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 So that, I, I guess I the, sur- so. yeah, the survival rate, let's say, would, would put it... And I use the 10, 10 times. Like some estimate that yeah. the actual number of cases is 15 times more. I use the 10 and just to be conservative in my, yeah. in my, in my math, 99.7% survival rate for the coronavirus. Yes. And that's why I don't think it, it, it need, like, I don't think we need these, these lockdowns. I don't think we need these mask mandates. If, and and I, you might counter that Chris by saying, well, this is because we've been doing these things, but like Wisconsin just started doing this mask mandate. Well, that's not going to affect the, that's not going to affect the survival rate. The survival rate is going to be the same regardless of how many people are getting sick. Okay. The rate's always going to be the okay. same. So if you, yeah. if you say that you think that a, a disease that if a, you know, a thousand 
people uh, get yeah. that disease, only three are, are going to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, then uh, if, you, if you think that that's not dangerous enough to um, force people to wear masks inside mm -hmm. or not crowd into a, a, a wedding or, or church service, um, then, yeah, I mean, you, you obviously can have that opinion, but the the thing the thing the thing that I I disagree with that mm -hmm. is that um, I think that you know when you look at those rates if we get to a point where hundreds of millions of people do get this you know we could have a million people dying from this that's a lot of people and here's the thing is there's a reason why they have the term flatten the curve yeah. and because the problem is that it's not just about how many people die, but it's how quickly they die. That's important mm -hmm. because if you have all of these people, if you have like hundreds of thousands of people dying over the period of a few years, then it's something our infrastructure can handle. And the only people that will be dying are the people that literally there's no way they would survive. You know, we'll give them a ventilator, we'll give them steroids, we'll give them whatever treatments they need to survive. You know, the only people that will die and, and be that three out of a thousand people will be the people that there's just no way we can save them because they're too sick, they're too old, whatever. If all of those hundreds of thousands of people, instead of, if all of those deaths, if all those critical cases weren't spread out over a few years, but happened in a period of a few weeks or a few months, then you're going to have infrastructure problems. You're going to have situations where you're not going to have enough ventilators for everybody. You're not going to have enough medicine for everybody. You're not going to have enough hospital beds for everybody. And then you're going to see people dying that could have been saved. You're going to see younger people dying that could have been saved. You're going to see older people that die because they just wasn't a ventilator for them. And that's what happened in uh, a lot of European countries is that it, you know, it took them so long to figure out. They didn't have warning that this thing was happening. It was in China, and then all of a sudden, it was in Italy, and all of a sudden, everybody in Italy had it. And there wasn't, they didn't have as much warning as the United States did because they got a little mm -hmm. bit sooner. And so, when they got to that point, you know, and of course, I have obviously the Italy medical um, infrastructure is not as good as the United States, so that's partially to blame. But also because so many people got it so fast they had to allow people to die that could have been safe. They had to decide like, hey, this person's 85. They have complications from another disease. Um, we're not going to put them on a ventilator. We're going to put the 50-year-old on a ventilator because the 50-year-old is more likely that they're going to survive. And then an 85-year-old would die because they didn't have a ventilator. And they could have lived if they were in the United States and were giving a ventilator or if they lived in a system that was similar to Italy's, but the there was less people in the hospital at the same time so that number right there that death rate of three per 1000 that is being purported that is dependent on everybody getting maximum treatment and that is dependent on the curve being flattened and the only way that we can flatten the curve is by slowing down the spread and the only way that we can slow down the spread is by getting as many people to wear masks as possible thought, otherwise that yeah that that whole thing blows up. If you don't have, if you all of a sudden everybody stops wearing masks because of what we know about the transmission and the studies about, you know, how masks affect the transmission, you're going to have more people getting sick faster. 
and then you're gonna have more people in the hospitals and then inevitably you're gonna have more people dying and then it's not gonna be three out of every 1,000. It's gonna be six out of every 1,000. It's gonna be 20 out of every 1,000. It's going to get worse. And that's why it's important that we stop that from happening. And that's why, while that might not sound like a scary number, it's scary because if we change our course in a way that can negatively affect it, we could adversely affect that number and make it a lot scarier than it is right now. Okay. I guess I was under the impression that we had flattened the curve because it was 15 days to slow the spread or two weeks to slow the spread, flatten the curve. Oh, we have. We have so, because of mandates and because people. But the thing is, though, when things reopen, the curve unflattens. Yes. Like if you look at what happened in Florida, in Texas, and Arizona over the summer, the curve unflattened. It went from being flat to not mm. flat all of a sudden. And then you ended up at a point where ICU beds were almost fully being taken up in some of these states. And they came very close to a disaster situation where they couldn't take care of everybody. It was very, very close. And thankfully, it it it, it didn't boil over, but it, it could have. So, so, Chris, I guess do you do you think we we should just continue in in this state of lockdown indefinitely until we have a vaccine? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the the only way to keep this from getting out of control is like, to continue what we're doing. Um, even if it's yeah. like let's. Uh, <laughs> they're saying they're going to have a vaccine soon and some places even say that they already have it. But like, what if it's five years from now? Do you think if we, we should- if we get fed up and we want to do what Japan, South Korea, New Zealand, China has done that, that could, that could happen. Like if, if there, if the lockdown is full, if we mm-hmm. mandate things extremely, extremely strictly about what people are allowed to do, yeah. we could stamp out, the virus. Would you, you know, be okay we, with that? Would you, would you want that? Like if the government said like to starting tomorrow, no one can leave their house n- absolutely for no reason whatsoever for the next two weeks. Would you, would you stand for that? Yeah, I think that that would be the best course of action. And I'm actually very disappointed that that didn't happen because, you know, I was inside oh. my house for a few weeks at the beginning of this, just like the people in Asia, just like the people in New Zealand. They walked out of their house to a world where the coronavirus didn't exist. It's, I did it's it. in New Zealand. It's in New Zealand right now, bro. It's happening. Like this thing is not gonna. We know this is not gonna disappear. Well, no. There's there's very little active cases. There's so few. There's no community spread in New Zealand. <laughs> I just I thought I just saw last week that there there was a case in the, where there are cases, spread, they, but it's like it's not like out of control. It's it's completely contained. It's like you're not seeing X exponential growth where like five people have it then 10 and 20 then okay. then 100 like that's not happening like the, their curve is just mm, it's like this it's just okay. like a few people every week you know because when they catch it it's so few that they can they can contact trace they can quarantine everybody that they've been around and so no one you know it doesn't it doesn't get out of control so you know because as a result their kids can go to school everywhere and they can go to sports games and it's not causing a massive spike in the virus like you know that would in countries where just there's so many people that have it it would just blow it up every time okay. um that would happens you, uh, uh, man okay and then so look, man, at, I, look at china the population of china is one billion people they have you know they have four three to four times our population mm-hmm. size they have so much fewer cases and so much fewer deaths. And of course, you can track that up to, well, they're covering it up. But the thing is that 
you have to look at the simplest explanation, which is that the mandates that they put in place in China worked. It protected their population. It, it, at what cost, though, man? Because they were they were literally welding people's houses, their doors shut. They couldn't leave their houses even if they wanted to. So they're like, alive, and their economy is in a lot better shape than ours. Right. So if we take if we the thing is though if we take that like utilitarian ethic to its natural conclusion then government should have ultimate power to control literally everyone's life yeah. all the time because they can then centrally plan every part of their lives and protect them from all these things and i just as long don't as think the, as long as the people agree to the government having but, but that's power, that's, that's the issue fine. right is I, I guarantee there's a large amount of people in almost every single country this has happened in that disagree with it right yeah. so uh, yeah you know that's, not a majority that's not a majority i wouldn't say it's a majority I, in china so, in the united states there would be yeah, well, no, sorry but did I, I didn't mean majority i meant like a yeah. large portion of the population and, and yeah. that's part of the issue with governments in general is that there is no possible way that any that everyone agrees with what the government is doing and, yeah. and that's that's ultimately the issue so yeah so it's yeah. just how do you protect how do you protect your minorities that want to live their life differently you know, minorities and ideology. Like, how do you make sure that they, their lives aren't infringed on too much by what the majority of the people want? And, you know, I, I feel like people definitely have the right to life. Like, you know, yeah. if you have a patient zero and that person is, 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 is spreading the virus, you don't kill them, you quarantine them. Even if killing them is the most effective way to make sure they don't spread it anymore. You know, you have a certain list of human rights that you need to give people and it's always about finding the line between that and that's going to come down to the government's interpretation and the court's interpretation of what these rights are and how far they can be pushed in certain so situations. so with that argument though you've just you've just exceeded nazi germany you've just said that what they did was good because uh nazi you know, germany was not democratic um, that people did not democratically elect right but Hitler. no 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 country actually democratically elects anyone because if if, if we're thinking about this when, and what i mean by that is there's always going to be a portion of the population that says no we don't want this person ruling us by democratic right? i mean the majority of people i i, the majority I, I, I get of people that. did not elect Hitler. i don't I, think I, no that's actually true that they did um he he got voted in by popular popular demand no. No, no. He um. So what happened was that um, uh, there was a multi-party system. It's a par parliamentary okay. system in Germany, similar to um, England and similar to uh, Canada. And so there were uh, the Nazis. I don't believe they ever exceeded thirty-five percent in and their uh, plurality of support in Parliament. Um, the reason why Hitler was appointed the leader of Germany is because they could not form. There could not form a coalition government between right. two opposing I, I parties. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember that now. Yeah. Now, but but then then there's examples where you know certain leaders that we may see as authoritarian leaders do have massive popular support. Like for instance, the Ayatollah in Iran with ninety eight percent support. Yeah. During a referendum, I, I to think keep them the, in power. the the issue that Angel and I are seeing with his entire situation you set up is that um, ultimately, what what makes the majority of any given people because you've just said with that example right the majority of people can be wrong what what gives why why is that the best system 
Uh, you don't necessarily have to have it be the majority of people. You can decide that it's two thirds or four fifths. Right. You but know, what if you... what if I'm a person in a gov in a country and I say I don't want to be part of the democratically elected anything. I just want to live my own life on my own land and do my own thing and not be touched by the government. I don't care if well, I get to use the roads or whatever. I'll ju I'll just opt out of all of this. The, the issue is we don't in almost every single country. No one actually has that option. Right. And so no, we get, no, we get no to anarchies. A, we, there's right, no anarchies. We, we get to a final society. we get to a final um, issue here of the governments ultimately are being dictators over someone. Right. Because they're forcing yes. them to agree with a, a, a the majority is a dictator over over the minority. And right. and, 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 and countries that have a, a, a simple majority electoral system. Yeah. Um, like the United States is close to, but not quite, because we are a republic. We do have electoral college right. for president. Yeah. But you know, in those situations, yeah, of course, you know. Um, but it, it comes down to the fact of what does government formed by the people mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because if you have a government that is for the people by the people, essentially what that means is people have to get together and they have to agree on something. And and initially, when you're forming a constitution. You can decide what needs a unanimous vote and what needs a majority vote. You can say what things are so important that you need a, a, a everybody to agree on it. Like, for example, you know, I'm forming my own company right now and I'm writing the bylaws for the company. And I have some laws that say, like, in order to approve a budget for the business, you know, the majority of people on the board of directors have to approve it. But in order to remove someone from the board of directors, everybody else has to agree. You can't just have the majority of people decide we want this person out and not on our board anymore. So you have to, when you come together as a people and you all agree to a constitution, which is something that you would say that the pretty much everybody agreed to the United States constitution. You have British loyalists and that's why there was a war, but you know, you had delegates from all of the colonies that represented all of the colonies signing that constitution um, and signing the Declaration of Independence. Um, they, they agreed that there are certain things that if just the majority of people want it to happen, it's going to happen and everybody else has to go along with it and the government has the authority to exercise power to enforce it. Yeah, I just can't imagine that the founding fathers, the people that actually crafted the constitution, would actually think that it's okay to force the citizens of the the nation that they that they founded to stay in their homes and not saying that this is what's happening here but like having their the doors to their houses welded shut so that they can't leave because yeah. of the, I can't imagine that they would ever say that that's a considering the fact that the level of tyranny and the things that they were rebelling against are so like we I think they would only be fine with it. They would only be fine with it if it was something that the majority of people actually wanted or if two thirds or whatever they required wanted. You know, if, if it was just, you know, 5% of the population that didn't want to do it, okay. then I think they would allow something like that to happen because, again, the United States was set up as a democratic republic, a constitutional republic. The people have say in what the laws are people get to decide we get to decide what our own laws are to an extent yeah. and we yeah. get to write our own laws and I, I think the one thing that got lost though from from now until then is the right to secession um right but mm -hmm. civil war yeah, proved that the the union 
was indivisible and that people couldn't actually leave and even though they were supposed to be able to and yeah. that's why we're in this situation i think the ultimate freedom for anyone to, to actually have freedom is the right to secession and that can and mean, I, I agree i yeah. agree with that and you know i i'm someone who thinks that the the what happened during the civil war and what happened with lincoln you know it gets a good rap in our society because it resulted it totally in does. the emancipation yeah. of of slaves but when you yeah when you look at the constitutional yeah. structural implications yeah. it's probably more harmful than than good and i now i'm not going to agree with someone from the south who said oh it was about states rights because you look at you know their secession the proclamation that they made and it mentioned slavery x amount of times yeah um, but, 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 I, but I agree also they still vacuum, would have had the right yeah. to secede yeah. even if it was for a bad reason right yeah and, exactly. and they were given that yeah. right yeah yeah and then the question comes down to just the fact of well did the union have the right to to to, to, to have milk declare war on on the confederacy or not and right then it comes into a whole another situation where like you know, what are the, who is even supposed to be making rules about who can fight who right. internationally. Yeah. And that's a whole nother. But, but I think that's ultimately where that's specifically for me. That's ultimately where I'm seeing the breakdown of mm -hmm. what you're saying, right? Is that ultimately people have to be able to say, no, I don't want to be part of this system. And, and unfortunately yeah. in our global society, people just don't have that option. Um, and that's why tyranny exists in the way it does right now. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that you're right, and I would like to see I would like to see a, 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 a precedent, a new precedent set for this, and I think that yeah. perhaps the situation with the virus and the uncertainty and our our administration, our yeah. leadership going forward, that might cause something like yeah. this to happen. I, I honestly it, think in the next like 50 years, at the very most, there's going to be some state that is legitimately going to try to secede, and yeah. they're probably going to succeed. Because yes. Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, and, and I especially think that, with the, yeah. the diff differing responses to the virus, right? There's mm -hmm. a bunch of states that are just like, absolutely not. We don't want to do any of this stuff. And mm -hmm. under U.S. Constitution, they should have that ability to just be like, one, even if they just wanted to stay part of the union, they should have the right to just be like, no, our state is not doing this. We've agreed mm -hmm. in our government not to do this, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah. That's, that's yeah, I mean, that's my, I that's my like, you know, dystopian, like fantasy scenario where I'm not necessarily saying I want this to happen, but I think it would be very fascinating if it did. Right. Is I think we're good. We could get in a situation where between the disagreements about how to handle the coronavirus and how to bring the economy back, because, you know, people are just really hurting financially right now. Yeah. And between all of the um, mistrust we have around our political process yeah. and the election that's coming, like we could end up in a situation where you have like Gavin Newsom over on the West Coast taking California, Washington, Oregon, maybe Nevada and saying like, we're our own country now. You can't cross our borders and bring the virus in here. And then you could have um, you could have Cuomo on the East Coast kind of like making the whole northeastern part of the country its own thing with its own borders. And then there's like three countries or two and one of them being split up between coasts. And yeah. then you have you know, somebody like, I, I, I think that Biden would be too weak to rule. I think he would just disappear. I think it would be the regional governors that would have yeah. control over the liberal states. But then I think that someone like Trump could then become the president of like the new Confederacy or what's left of America, depending on yeah. who secedes first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There could be lots of interesting things that would happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
we'll see what happens here. <laughs> Ultimately, it's going to be what's good for the uh, the billionaires because guess what? You know, while on Main Street we're really hurting right now, and there's a lot of people out of work and a lot of people losing money, and the only way they can get money is from government assistance. You look at how the wealthiest 100 people are doing in the United States. And they are doing better than ever. This yeah. thing has not been a problem for them at all. So they're just going to want things to continue going the way they're going because it's just going to yeah. help them consolidate their power and their wealth. So let's let's talk about that, Chris, because that's that's part of the the my concern with this whole lockdown and 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 government overreach is that it has affected people, right? Mm-hmm. Like people aren't able to go to work. They've mm-hmm. lost their jobs. They've lost everything not out of fault of their own, not because they didn't want to go to work, but because the government said you can't go to work. But what you're saying is, is that the government should force people to stay home and not earn it. So, so I guess, but then you just mentioned the billionaires. Oh, I can, I can, I can, I can explain this. Help Um, me understand that. Yes. Yes. So this is where there's no inconsistency in what I'm saying. I'm saying that what the government should have done is they should have implemented a very strict lockdown from day one. The second there was community spread in the United States, everybody should have been, you know, um, perhaps not allowed to leave their house, or maybe they could have just been able to leave for essential purposes, but they had to wear a mask, had the social distance, and couldn't be in big crowds with each other. Um, and if they had done that, then we would have been through, you know, the, the economic downturn in a short enough amount of time where it wouldn't have had that effect. I think that because different states had different ways of managing things and because the spread has been uneven depending on social um, situations and just, uh, well, social attitudes and then also just the state of mandates in different states um, and suggestions in different states. Um, I think that our prolonged economic shutdown that, or an economic downturn that we are experiencing um, is a result of um, indecisiveness on how to deal with this. I think when you look at other countries, there's a lot of countries that are rebounding financially right now. Like you cannot tell, even if there are a few people here and there in New Zealand that are getting sick, you can't tell me that New Zealand is anywhere near doing as bad economically as the United States is right now. It's, it's, it's not. And so I feel like if the United States had gotten through this quicker, then um, we wouldn't have all these economic problems. So now we're in a really a situation where we're kind of stuck, kind of stagnating until something major changes scientifically when there's a, you know, the virus mutates and goes away or everybody suddenly figures out how to become immune as a herd to it, or there's a, um, vaccine or something until something like that happens we're stuck in this cycle now where we're in like half shutdown and i feel like the half measure of being in a half shutdown that's not full is the worst economic situation we could be in because it's it's keeping it's making our cover recovery it's pushing it forward in time we can't recover because we still have to fight this thing because we didn't take it out when we had the opportunity to take it out so when I'm advocating for shutdowns, I'm saying I, I, I'm not advocating for a half shutdown. That's 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 bad. That's that's going to cause a lot of problems. But again, it's still better than no shutdown because if you just let the virus run rampant through the entire population, you're again, like I said, I believe millions of people would die, and I believe a lot of people would die that necessarily wouldn't necessarily have to die if um, it was the, the curve was flatter. Yeah. So I guess, but some people do say. 
I would argue that there that there are treatments available right now to treat this thing, and that have been mm-hmm. shown to to like the hydrochloroquine, mm-hmm. among other things. So I, I have an answer to that, um, and it took a lot of research to figure this out because okay. there's been so much debate about um, hydroxychloroquine. And, hydroxychloroquine. There we go. Yes, I believe I said that right. Um, One uh, of us, hopefully. Did. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it HCQ because that's mm-hmm. the easiest way to say so hcq um is a is a drug that is effective at treating the virus um now in the united states we are using methods and drugs that are also effective at treating the virus so we have steroids that are very effective at treating the virus and we have uh, ventilators which are very effective at, at, at keeping people alive who are struggling with the virus and um helping them survive so um, the difference between steroids and ventilators on one side and HCQ on the other side is that steroids and ventilators don't have as many negative health side effects as HCQ has. HCQ messes with your heart and gives mm-hmm. your heart a lot of irregularities, and it's potentially deadly. You could have a heart attack or a cardiac event or other heart issues later in life as a result of being exposed to HCQ. So right now in countries that have enough ventilators for everybody and enough steroids for everybody, they're treating them with those safer methods, which are about equally as effective at treating the viruses as as HCQ, but without the side effects. But in countries like, for example, a lot of third world countries that don't have the same medical infrastructure, they don't have access to the steroids, they don't have the ventilators in their hospitals. Their only way to save people is with HCQ. And they're giving people HCQ and it's working because it is effective at getting rid of the virus. But you're going to have all these side effects too as a result, which in the end is going to put those populations in a worse situation than the people that are in developed countries that have better ways of treating it. So... The problem right now is that this goes into this misinformation cycle that we were talking about before, is that everybody's looking for a conspiracy in this. From day one, people were looking for a conspiracy, and because there's a certain percentage of our population, and we saw this kind of innocently with the Flat Earth movement, and now a little bit less innocently with um, uh, pandemic people and QAnon people, um, is that um, the, the initial conspiracy was the virus didn't exist. When it became obvious that people were dying and that it did exist, that conspiracy needed to shift. And now the conspiracy is, well, they're, 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 they're suppressing the treatment of the virus. And so now when people see this treatment that's being effective in third world countries and it's saving people's lives, they're just and looking at how it's banned in first world countries they're saying, oh my gosh, it's a conspiracy to cause more people to die, to create more chaos, to make billionaires richer, to consolidate power with the government and take people's rights away. When really it's just a situation of we have their access to different things than they do, and they're getting these negative side effects that we're not. We're in a better situation than they are, and that's why we're not using this drug when they are. Okay, I, I guess... Man, but but I I would just say it's none of their business. Like I want to take this medicine if it's gonna give me. I'll take. I'll deal with the side effect if I'm gonna survive. I'd rather. I mean, I think I think it was said that Trump was taking it at some point. Like yeah. I think that that just because it's like you know that that hospitals aren't supposed to give it to people, you can still find it 
and places and take it. And and then you have people too. Find a dealer. And then there you have two people too who are trying to get like over the counter or like you know uh, industrial uh, the drug versions of this drug used for industrial purposes and not used for yeah. um, for, for drugs. And then that was causing problems, and that's kind of unfortunate. Yes, yes, it is very unfortunate. But yeah, like. I mean, just let me do what I want to do. Like, you can take. I'm sure you can access it. Like, if, if Trump can get it, you can get it, or you can go to a third world country and get it. I, I think you can probably sneak into Mexico and get it. Like, I might get I, it from I, the Dominican Republic. Uh, I don't think I don't think, members. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want if you want to do it, you can. If you'd rather if you'd rather take HCQ because you think you have a better chance of surviving or not contracting the virus, uh, you can do that because it's not going to hurt anybody else. It's not going to yeah. hurt anybody else. But but the government there are places where it's like illegal, like you can't. It's not even a, an option for yeah. treatment. Right? Which I I disagree with. Like I okay. think that I think that I think you know we shouldn't have as many controlled substances. Like mm-hmm. I'm for the legalization of every type of drug. Like you know, because including yeah. HCQ. <laughs> yeah, let's let's yeah. let's legalize <laughs> let's legalize everything again. Like as long as there's a doctor there to tell you like. This is bad. I don't advise for this. You can go and go against your doctor's advice. That's totally fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. We agree uh, on something. Uh, that'll be another quote for the episode. A Chris Siegel. You can. Di- uh, you can. Oh crap! I already forgot it. Um, <laughs> Good thing it's recorded. You right? can ignore your you can ignore pod- your your doctor's advice. You there you your go. Advice. <laughs> You're free to ignore your doctor's advice. There you go. <laughs> I, for- I forgot where I was going with all this man no i just i honestly man like maybe i am a conspiracy theorist guy maybe that's you consider me that but honestly i just yeah. i just i just see there are real conspiracies there has to be real conspiracies like that we really think jfk was killed the way they said he was killed no like it's just and so crazy tupac like, is still alive by the way yeah <laughs> yep. jet fuel can't melt melt steel beams guys i am fine with people having conspiracies i just I, I, I think they, that sometimes they get out of hand and that they, they negatively affect other people's lives. Like, for example, you know, when you have a conspiracy about Sandy Hook and the horrible school shooting that happened in Connecticut um, earlier in our lives, like when you have a conspiracy that the parents are actors and that the kids didn't actually die or didn't actually exist. And then you have people actually going to the houses of the families who lost people in the shooting and knocking on their doors and harassing them, saying that they're actors. That's going too far. That's where there needs to be legal action and whatever cause that needs to be addressed. But people can believe that the earth is flat. They shouldn't go to jail for that. I actually believe the earth is a triangle. <laughs> um, it's a pyramid. Triangle earth. It's, <laughs> it's in the shape of a, it's in the shape of an Illuminati pyramid. Oh, that's why go. that's why that triangle's everywhere because they're trying to tell us something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The truth. That's yeah. yeah. No, I'm just I'm just playing. I actually I, I don't actually believe that, y'all. Uh, reveal what I actually believe the earth's shape to be. We'll keep that for another episode. But I, I do want to say that. The, the reason that I, I'm kind of a skeptic to everything that's going on, all these lockdowns, and again, I point, I point to, the, to the death rate. Mm-hmm. I point to the fact that other countries and other places are like Sweden is, is one that's one example of this where it, it hasn't been locked down. And, 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 uh, and it's not the same, Two same points place. About that. One, okay, go ahead. 
One, Sweden has had more people die per capita than the countries around it. Mm-hmm. So as far as deaths, the way that they handled it, yeah. if you're just looking at deaths, it, it didn't mm-hmm. work. And then the second thing that is important is that um, in Sweden, you have a very um, homogenous population that's not politically polarized, that doesn't have all this misinformation. And the people voluntarily uh, quarantined themselves and were stayed away from each other and wore masks and you didn't necessarily need a lot of mandates. They, they basically trusted the population to do what a population would do if they were a hive mind. They basically said, well, if all the young people stay away from the old people and the old people stay inside and then the young people are the ones that are going out doing the business, but they're still wearing masks, they're still being careful, then statistically, we should be able to get through this thing without our economy totally shutting down. And people did exactly that. You know, people actually, the, the, the old people, the people who were, who, who, who were at risk, you know, protected themselves. The younger people went out and worked and then they made sure they didn't put anybody at risk who was at risk and stayed away from the people that were at risk. And, you know, the, the society functioned very well. Now, as a result of this, more people did die. But yes, their economy was not fully shut down in the same way as the countries around it. And so, you know, if you have a population that can behave in a very strategic way where there's not a lot of loose screws messing the machine up, then yeah, of course, something like that would work. I, I just don't think that's applicable to the United States because I feel like in the United States, if they left it to the people to decide how to handle this, I think it would be absolute chaos. So a couple, a couple of points about that, um, yeah. that if, based on what I'm hearing you say and what I am, am, have been observing, um, I think the, the reason why in America we don't have, you know, we couldn't have just according to you, right? I couldn't have just suggested instead of mandating is mm-hmm. not because of the people. It's because of the government. It's because the government itself has led to the polarization of everything, right? The the two part, the party system we have is mm-hmm. creating the division and creating the the polarization that we have. It's the government trying to, two parts of the government trying to play all of us as people against each other. So I don't think, like, I think if in, in a situation where that's not happening, I think people would, given accurate information like you said right just yeah would, would do that because that's smart mm-hmm. uh and they 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 worry about their they care about themselves and the people that they're immediately affecting um, oh yeah no i i agree with and, that and, but a couple of other points one um i there's an article here that I, i'll send you but um it's it, it's a, it, comparing sweden versus new york and it's relative yeah. death rate what they did to try to stop the 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 uh, spread and mm-hmm. all that stuff mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, the government was actually primarily responsible in new york for the death of a large portion of his population because the, the governor um decided to uh force old people to go back into nursing homes already when they had covid that the government literally mandated that to happen and thus literally like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of old people died because the government mm-hmm. literally killed them um yeah. so so i'm i'm seeing a lot of issues with Let's just tell the government, let's just let the government say what we have to do to stop this virus because we see, we've seen examples of them literally killing people through government for, you know, mandates. Um, and then mm-hmm. lastly, but not leastly, that's not how you say that, but you know. Um, <laughs> no, that, that is. <laughs> I guess. I just never heard it said that way before. Yeah. Um, correct grammar. Last but not least, I don't think ultimately 
the fact the idea that okay we have a situation that there's a lot of polarization there's a lot of misinformation i still don't think it justifies the objective moral evil of violating people's rights as human beings right and that's where it comes down to for me like yes this is bad that there's a bunch of misinformation and people are going to die because they're not believing the virus is a real thing it is not one it's not the government's job and it's exact it's exactly the opposite of the government's job to do these mandates because their job is to uphold the rights of citizens not trample on them even if it's for the cause of a greater good um and i think that was clearly established in the constitution and has in over time been muddied by the way that the government handles these things and and has and people having a lot more ways that they could they could hurt each other now than than before and also also true but like that's part that's just like fear right that's like fear of people and and like benjamin franklin's famous quote the person who gives up a little who gives up their freedom for a little security deserves neither and will lose both right it's, it's, is it is it fear though or is it is it empathy is it compassion? Because they're the two sides to the same coin. You could say I, that I you want saying. this law because you're afraid, but you could also say because you're afraid for somebody else's life. In that yeah, case. but like in, in that situation, I, I, I really hesitate, even if someone, I know that there are people who have good intentions when they have the government do things to people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't, I still think it doesn't justify it, right? In the end, I think if, if you really truly care about someone and you want them to be safe from something, do it yourself right make the effort yourself to do whatever you can as an individual or with your resources to help them don't let the government which is a very powerful organization that can cause people's lives to have much misery give them more power to maybe do this good thing but also open the door for like a bajillion other things that they could do horribly to other people right any any powerful organization is going to have the ability to hurt people right it doesn't necessarily i just don't i just don't think we should legalize not. hurting people right i think that's the issue well think, that's the thing is i'm not i'm not advocate advocating hurting people mm-hmm. um i'm advocating protecting people right and but you so, have to use force if, to protect people sometimes but if someone have to. if someone isn't wearing a mask and you're gonna find them and they refuse to pay the fine and you arrest them and they refuse to, to they resist arrest and then you put them in jail what you have done is you have hurt them when if you had left them alone, nothing you you would have been completely not responsible for anything that would have happened to them. They could have died or not. You don't have. Or a, they could have gotten a bunch of people sick. Also true, but w- one is possible, and one is you're actually physically doing it objectively right now, right? Well, and see, that's, that's what, the thing, though. That's yeah. the difference is that you know, and that's what I was saying way earlier mm-hmm. is with the virus. It's not like, you know, somebody's going out and physically harming another person, you know, you're, 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 you, you, it's, it's this just community thing that's happening. Certainly. You cannot fully trace it. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at it in a macro situation. So you have to say that, yes, someone who may or may not be sick going out in public without a mask, being around other people, not social distancing, objectively inside a vacuum, you cannot predict or prove that they are harming anybody of course not but you can statistically look at it as a macro situation and say that type of behavior on a whole is contributing towards people being harmed certainly yeah i think my 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 main point there and i'll let angel talk um is is just that i when i look at this just objectively I, i think it's it's way more 
logical to me, just like just pure logic to, to say, I, I am going to err on the side of letting a possible evil happen as opposed to right now I am going to choose myself to do an actual evil on someone. This comes back to the, the, the hated trolley problem, right? Like right, at the right. end of the day, I'm not responsible if I, if, if I go to the person on the tracks and just try to untie them instead of ch choosing to let five people die or, you know, to let one person mm -hmm. die over five people. If I just try to untie them as quickly as possible, they still die. That's a much better moral option than actually making a physical choice that is going to objectively lead to someone being harmed or having their rights trampled on, right? So that for me, like I, I want to do as much as I can as a person to help people to you know spread information that will be helpful to help people with my own resources to make sure people don't get COVID and die. But it, it crosses the line for me when I say, all right, I'm going to let this, I'm going to agree with this organization telling you that if you don't do this thing, they can find you, they can take money from you, they can arrest you, and they can ultimately kill you if you resist that arrest. That, that just doesn't seem like an option that's moral to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically, you know, uh, again, like I understand that your philosophy yeah. behind government agrees with the government punishing people who actually hurt somebody yes. else. Like, you know, you're fine with the government using force yes. to apprehend a murderer. Yes. Um, but again, I feel like the way that you're approaching this saying, like, you know, I want to be the one making the decision to help someone and I don't want to be forced to help somebody or force somebody else to help someone. I think that is falling within the same philosophical argument of saying, well, murder shouldn't be illegal because I would never murder somebody. No, no, it's yeah, different because, because, because not everybody's like you. I mean, if everybody was like you, Caleb, yeah. and did everything they could to stop this thing, then we wouldn't need the government to step in at all. But the problem is not everybody has that energy, ability, and altruism to do that. Right. But that, but ultimately, then we go back to what's the purpose of government, right? Like the, the purpose of government, according to scripture, which is where Angel and I are coming from, like foundationally, like law of God sort of stuff, is the government has the ability to, you know, restore or get have justice be done to try to restore someone to the community or if there is no restoration possible to excise some, someone from the community who has done an irreconcilable wrong. But mm. that is as far as their their ability goes. It's it's a reactionary, not a, a preemptive approach to, to anything. And that's where it comes down to is uh, us as people, we have the power to be preemptive in our decisions that don't hurt other people. But the government's job is to, after the fact, look objectively at a situation that happened, at a, a, a wrong that was committed, and then decide how do we make it right. But yeah, the, the, that makes the, sense. So I mean, so right. so, so basically, yeah. your your philosophy then, if 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 I feel like if you applied this equally everywhere, you would say that having, um, you know, uh, that 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 someone should not be able to be arrested for drunk driving unless they actually hurt someone. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that is ultimately what I believe. I, I do think yeah. that there are plenty of ways that we could solve that the legitimate problem of people driving around drunk. Um, I, I think that churches specifically like just going like from bottom, bottom yeah. up, right. Individuals like in their families can for physically stop their 
family members from going out and drunk driving. You have churches Slash that tires. can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. yeah, but, but, but can, can that they be prosecuted for that then? Because they're causing obviously, harm. obviously, yes. I, I, I get. Yeah, there's obviously issues yeah. there. But the the church can can do church discipline on a member who is going to do this, right? Um, and then for beyond that, we have companies who can be in charge of roads, you know, and on their road because it's their road, they can just say you can't drunk drive on our road. And if you do, here's what will happen to you because you're on our property now, right? But what if that road is the only way for them to get somewhere? That that's well, called a monopoly. That's called a monopoly, <laughs> and it only exists because the government is mandated to exist. Um, if if we if if we said Department of Transportation, you don't exist anymore. Anyone can build a road. There would be other roads that would be built, and then but n not with private property though, because you know that th there might be a situation where a bunch of private property is being used for something else, and then there's only one piece of property that's being used for a road, and you know nobody there's a barrier of entry. Uh, no one wants to compete against that. Then someone will find another way to be transported, right? That's how the free market works, right? Someone will find some other. They'll be like, well, there's only one road. How can we make make it so people can get somewhere? without using this road right and and then yeah. the problem will will get solved because pe if people want something it someone will figure out a way to provide it for them and get paid to do so um anyway that's that's just kind of like you know giving some examples of of yeah what this might look like in a in a more macro scale and like but, but, trying but again, to apply it's these principles like, broadly it comes down to like you know, what type of system are we in right now? What type of society do we have right now? And what's the best way to move forward with our laws today? What do we think about our laws today? And like, if we live think in- they should an, all be torn down. <laughs> I mean, if we live in an anarcho-capitalist society, yeah. that is a, a, a pretty much an anarchist utopia where the government is just enforcing specific basic rights, keeping people yeah. from infringing on other people's rights, but that's it. Um, then obviously you would approach a situation like mandating safety protocols a lot differently. Yes. But the thing is, we don't exist in that type of situation. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that we can wait around for the amount of time it's going to take for that system to be put in place um, I, in I order to deal with what we're doing now. So I'm thinking realistically, you know, like, for example, like, you know, I'm, I've decided at least right now that while I disagree with the two choices that are the two top choices for president, right. I'm going to choose between them because yeah. I feel like right now it's going to make a difference in how this country is run. And I think everybody has a choice there. So I'm not looking at trying to create a communist system or an anarcho-capitalist system or voting for third party or whatever. I'm like, what is going to affect things? I, what, what do I want to happen in, in January of next year? And who, which option of the realist options are I going to choose? So again, like, yeah, you can always say like, what if the United States had a population like Sweden? What if the United States was an island like New Zealand? Um, what if the United States was more anarchist? You can make all these scenarios and say, how should we, how should we apportion uh, authority in those situations yeah. in order to solve problems? Mm -hmm. But Again, it comes down to what's going to work in our current system that we have now. And ultimately, I think that the mandates are what is going to help now in the system that we have now. Yeah. Three, three points in response to what you just said real quickly. One, I think most of the problems you just said, right, like the idea of like, we, we don't live in that society, so we have to deal with the, pragmat you know, the pragmatic details of life. I think most of that would be solved if secession was actually an option. I think... 
and we would we would be instantly be able to have a bunch of different options yeah. than yeah. what we do. Um, two, um, I I think ultimately it's still better to do something that's right, even if it's not as effective. Um, three, and and I'm not and and uh, yeah, and then three, hmm. which will tie up all of this. I yeah. I don't think politics is the best way to change our society anyway. So, yeah, right? like, no, I I yeah. I I agree. I mean, I would say probably education mm -hmm. is the most effective thing. And of course you can then make arguments over whether it's knowledge-based, wisdom-based, spiritual-based, right. yeah, yeah, practical-based, yeah. mm -hmm. all these mm -hmm. things. Um, Cause it's all, it's all a piece to one big thing that makes a yeah. human being a human being. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, definitely that that's true. But then ultimately to make a choice quickly about what's going on, politics is how you could tip the scale in one direction or the other that it's going to change people's right. lives. Like, you know, the, whoever ends up, whatever administration ends up in power going forward, there's going to be differences between them. And the people are going to have to decide how they want the country to be run. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, while if we want to fix our society, we can't expect to just keep choosing between the binary options, this, you know, false dichotomy that we have yeah. set up with our two-party system. Like, you know, ultimately, we're not going to get anywhere in the long term by doing that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in the short term, we have to look at, you know, avoiding the short, short term problems so that we can get through them to yeah. deal with the long term problems. Like, I am totally fine fighting the two party system, fighting the government, trying to give states rights, trying to give individuals more rights. Mm -hmm. You know, my philosophy is an anarcho communist. So I half agree with sure. everything that you say i just think there should be collectivism inside communities and and that's the thing right to, as long yeah. as it's voluntary i don't care yeah. right like of yeah. course i'd love that if people want to get together and and have a commune more power to them um yeah. but for me i think that only exists in an in a system that is ultimately yeah. anarcho-capitalist right like yeah. because of the way anarcho anarcho-capitalism yeah. works that, that um, makes sense and yeah. and i i will take i will take either route to this like I will take the anarchist route or I will take the communist route. And I think the difference is, you know, obviously, you know, you would, because you're, you're not yourself a communist, you would be very uncomfortable with us going to cap communism first on the way to anarcho-communism on the way to a system that is anarchy. Yeah. I, um, I just, unfortunately, I don't believe that going through communism will actually get there um, because I, I've seen too much history where communism just ends with tyranny and then it just evolves back into some other form of government and never actually yeah. goes all the way to anarcho-communism because yeah. ultimately that's not I, like, I, I think the path to anarcho-communism, if you wanted that is through anarcho-capitalism um, because that's the only way that people's yeah. right freedoms are being opened up more and more for someone to just say, you know what? I want all of us. We want, we all want to live like this. We have the freedom to do that with some, without someone else saying, no, this is how I want you to live. Um, yeah, but, but anyway. I would say my again, it just comes down to the definitions of like sure, sure. what are counted as the failures versus the yeah, successes yeah, yeah. of yes. leftism. Yeah, and yeah. obviously, you know, people who are very anti-leftist, they will put a lot of weight into things like the Soviet Union and right. Venezuela and yeah. and Cuba and not as much weight into 
the very left systems that exist in very successful wealthy European countries. So like, I, you know, I would argue the only reason that those things can exist is because of capitalism, but that's an entirely other other conversation we're there. Gonna, we have to have you come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a whole other I, what Chris and I are getting into fun political <laughs> ideology stuff yeah. right now. Just, um, real real just... quick, Chris, I, I just realized something. So there's a role-playing game called... Ugh called comrades that i have <laughs> nice <laughs> and it's literally it's about playing in a revolution mm -hmm. i would love to do a game of comrades with you at some point i think That'd that be awesome. would be fascinating and fun to do let's yeah. talk about that sometime yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> i think that'd be sounds really great. fun that's sounds good. great that's good yeah i've just been sitting back just <laughs> Y'all are. I I was half like thinking. I was like, you know what? I'm probably not gonna say a whole lot. I'm really tired. I'll just let them talk this time. And then no, of course not. No, no, I got thoughts. no. You gotta speak up. <laughs> no, that's up. no, I, I guess to to kind of wrap things up, we we covered a lot of different yeah different uh topics. I guess I just wanted to say, you know, for me, ultimately, it's about loving God and loving neighbor. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 you know what's how can I love my neighbor that is susceptible to the coronavirus and love my neighbor that has to provide for their children? You know, that's ultimately where I'm at. And I don't think that we're doing that well. I don't think that I agree. mask mask mandate or forced lockdown is doing that. Um, and I, and I guess that's, that's where I'm at, but I guess Chris hearing what I, what I have to say to you, do you or what we have to say because I, I guess we we both spoke up <laughs> do you disagree with me or do you disagree you did it wrong oh my goodness oh, no. no okay all right let's, let's do it again take two <laughs> so i don't believe that government has the right or should mandate masks and coronavirus lockdowns do you disagree with me or do you disagree with me uh, i disagree with you without emphasis <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely still think that that they should be mandated. I think that it, it, they should be way even way stricter than we're having right now because I I just feel like we're peeling a bandaid off really slowly and it's gonna hurt either way. So let's just get it over with. I and, and we Fair think enough, that man. in the exact opposite direction. So yes, I was gonna say no <laughs> bandaid. That's on. a gr that's a great analogy <laughs> for both of our positions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just rip it off. Yeah. Buff all the mandates and let the yes. coronavirus do its thing. Yes, sir. Uh, no, this was a fun conversation. I really appreciate yeah. it. you coming on, man, and, yeah. and uh, having it again. I think this time we took a little bit of a different. Uh, no, it was good. Yeah, so the, the lost conversation uh, definitely was completely different, which is what I was hoping for. Yeah, no, this yeah. was good. This is really good. But we do have one last question. Yes, we do. Uh, hopefully, you're. Well, well, I guess we'll see if you've changed your mind since last time. But Chris, which one, which is better? And again, this is the, the most important question of the night. Yeah, yeah. There's only one right answer. Qdoba or Chipotle? So I, I still haven't had Qdoba yet, unfortunately. So I still have to keep you all in suspense about this one. Oh. Um, so, but I, I do like Chipotle. So yes. that, that wins on the For now it's tentatively balance. chipotle <laughs> tentatively chipotle pending Let's, me actually hey, trying kidoba yeah you know what i'm gonna make a prediction here just based on the models and, and the graphs <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're gonna like chipotle more than kidoba right, we'll find out <laughs> <I guess so. laughs> that you see
<laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to our show. Um, you can find us on social media at Disagree Show on Twitter, right? You can find us there. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you can find you can even send us an email at disagree with me podcast at gmail.com, mm-hmm. Facebook, disagree with me. Uh, and you can let us know who do you disagree with. Uh, we would love to hear from y'all. Wait, is it disagree with me podcast or disagree with me show? Disagree I, with me podcast at gmail.com. Okay, well, I have, well, I forgot we made two different emails. Oh, okay, no. Either one. <laughs> mine is mine is disagree with me show at gmail.com. Angels is disagree with me podcast. If Choose which one you want, who and you then want we'll know to? who do you like better. What? <laughs> I was going to say, who do you do? Who do you want to disagree with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's yeah. go with what Angel said. So, no, thanks y'all for, for uh, listening. Peace out.